Hi, I'm Johnny Hamilton, and welcome to this episode of the Future Focus Fridays podcast series. In this episode, I'm talking with Mark Smith, Vice President, Workforce Strategy Planning at Providence. He shares his insights and stories of his career journey and what strategies his new team is implementing at Providence to increase internal career mobility during this tight labor market for the next few years. Let's drop into our conversation and hear some of his insights into workforce strategy. Mark, please tell us a little bit about your career path. Do you have any unexpected twists or turns throughout your whole career? You know, it's a great question about my career path. I I think a lot about it. If I had to put a song title to it, I would think of Long and Winding Road. I started in human resources and retail, and uh, the company I worked for was sold to another retailer in the late 90s, and I thought I would stay in retail. So my first twist was actually moving into a different industry, and that was my first foray into healthcare. Ironically, my first foray into healthcare I had hoped would be my last foray into healthcare. Really wasn't the experience that I had expected or desired. And so I meandered a bit. And really, the, un- the next unexpected twist was returning to healthcare. I consulted for a little bit and had an opportunity to work with uh, Tom Herman, who wrote How to Be a- an Employer of Choice, and went back into healthcare to consult with him a little bit. And it was at that time that I really started to see where healthcare organizations wanted to go and where I might be able to provide some support. So it came back. And, you know, that's been a lot of fun for me to do that. I think the other twist has really been rethinking my career rather than a progression, but really as a series of rotations. As I look back on it, it's really been about being open to the possibilities and being ready to say yes when called. And I think that's been really important for me. I've never heard of the idea of a series of rotations. That really intrigues me. What I think of that when you just said that was I have a North Star, I'm guided toward it, and I start following a a path, and then I come back to it, and I start going on a, a different path, and then I come back. Is that sort of what you're talking about? Could you share a little bit more of what you mean by that rotation? It's a great question, Johnny. When I look back at my career, it feels like every three years or so, something moves and there's something happening externally that influences what's happening internally. As an example, when I first came to Providence in the uh, mid-2000s, it was really focused on organizational development. And it wasn't until a few years later that uh, conditions were such that, that I was asked to think about moving into field human resources as an HR director. You know, at the time, I hadn't thought that my skills would transfer from organizational development or talent management into a field human resources role. And I needed a little bit of convincing. But once I moved into the field role, I realized it makes a whole lot of sense. And that led into the chief HR officer role in Washington, Montana, and that's really led into the workforce strategy and planning function. So I think what I've learned, and I think when we think about North Star, often we think about North Star as this one progression, and we probably think about it as title. And what I've really learned is there is a progression. It has a lot less to do with title and where do my skills take me as the organization evolves? And also, frankly, how do I evolve as the organization has new needs? And so I've really started to see this more as a series of rotations. So how do I stay sharp? How do I stay attuned to what the organization needs so that I can be ready when called? Tell me a little bit about you defined your 
role, your skills, your capabilities within one set. And then there was this opportunity within the workforce strategy and planning, and there was a calling to say, the organization needs this. And some people reached out and said, Mark, I think you're the right person for this. What drew you to say, well, I think that is my next step in my career? What led me to workforce strategy and planning? You know, first, I like a good puzzle and I like a good mystery. And I think that's from a skill perspective, that's always been a thread through my career. And when Greg first visited with me about the opportunity in workforce strategy, what he revealed was a puzzle. We have these external challenges over the next almost 10 years, and we know that those will have an impact internally on us at Providence in the next 10 years. And, and internally, we want to grow. We want to evolve so that we really can meet the needs of the community in the way that is best for each of our communities. And so, you know, the, the question in workforce becomes, how is it that we can weather the external to meet the internal? Well, it's a great challenge. And also have been really blessed in my time in uh, my previous role as a CHRO to work with great local leaders who understood the value of diversifying how we attract talent and really being, you know, much more open to understanding how we engage and, you know, how we work hard to retain, which are, you know, key elements of what we do in workforce. So this puzzle to think about how it is that we can really take great care of the communities that we serve to find new ways to attract and retain talent, to find ways to help our own talent that we have today work to the top of their practice to find joy and also to help them find new career opportunities is really compelling. And so when Greg laid out the puzzle, I couldn't help but get excited. And I think I have some skills that relate to that. But probably most importantly, Johnny, I think what I have found so far in the role is having an ability to do two things. And, and number one is, is to create relationship because to solve the workforce puzzle, it will take all of us. It's not exclusively a human resources challenge. It's not exclusively a talent acquisition challenge or a talent management challenge. It's not necessarily a finance challenge or an operational challenge. It's all of us working together. And so building relationship to drive forward will be really key. Mm -hmm. I think secondly, being able to do the work in a non-defensive manner is also really important because we have a lot of questions and we don't necessarily have all of the answers just yet. So just knowing that when folks raise a question, it's not coming back and saying workforce strategy, you have to solve it, but really looking at it as we have a question, what should we be thinking about? And together, how do we solve it? I had never thought of the, the workforce strategy and planning looking at it as a puzzle and to frame it the way you did. And that the way you've done that does sound quite exciting. It intrigues me. Tell me about the team that you're now leading, because you have a variety of people directly and indirectly that you are leading in this area. How do you carry that same passion and get other people excited as you are in this space? The first part of this, Johnny, has really been making sure that we in workforce can get clear on what it is that we want to accomplish. And so what's really becoming clearer and clearer to me now as I get into almost a year in this role, whether it's interim or permanent, is that our foundation in workforce is really about insights. So the better insights we have, the better we can help leaders make really optimal decisions and take right action. And that as we do that, 
we also then can begin to evaluate what types of solutions should we develop system-wide, whether it's in workforce or in broader partnership. So with the team, it's helping them understand together we have to really create the right insights so that the organization can make great decisions. And where we see a common thread, we have to look at how we partner to either collectively create a solution or sometimes in workforce, we create our own solution. So I think for the team, what's becoming exciting is that we can see that together we are, we are creating insights and that our, our organization is getting excited. So predictive hiring is one really good example of what we're doing from an insights and action perspective. With predictive hiring, what we really have focused on is let's forecast and provide insights on when we think vacancies could occur for key roles. What we're also doing is we're giving leaders an opportunity to make decisions based on those forecasts. Underlying in all this is really the the notion that to have a really robust talent acquisition process, you have to be able to hire more, hire faster, hire sooner, hire better. And with predictive hiring, we're able to layer in a couple of spots. First, in the more and faster, we can help talent acquisition by providing the forecast so Carol and team can begin to ramp up sourcing. And from a sooner perspective, if we give leaders insights into what's likely to happen, they can make decisions about what they want to replace. And again, hopefully they're hiring before we actually have people depart. So we have the insights, we let leaders take action. And what we see in the second quarter of the year, which is the first quarter that everyone's been on predictive hiring, we've hired about 40% of the predictions already, which means about 40% of the departures that we accounted for are already getting replaced. So that gets us to sooner. So, you know, it's really exciting. Um, What we're doing with the team, you know, under that umbrella, we have a few key categories. So first we have optimization with Mandy Mason and, and her team. And they really are focusing on strategies that help create capacity for the existing workforce. So it might be what we're doing with next-gen design, where we begin to really evaluate the right staffing and schedule to meet patient needs for a department. It could be predictive scheduler, which is the outcrop of next-gen, where within 10 minutes, a leader can click a button and actually have a forecasted schedule for the next time frame that they like so we can reduce that workload, but also create schedules that are very much aligned to the patient patterns. So she's doing great work there. She's going to be involved with talent management and others in job redesign. So as we think about how we help people get to top of practice, and how we think about where automation can really help that. Mandy and, and Darcy's team together will find ways to make that work. We have a lot of work in supporting staffing through uh, Tina Bar David and the Integrated Resource Center. So again, what can we do to provide insights to make sure that the schedules are right, but frankly, in the moment, make sure that we have the right people in the right place at the right time. And we do some really great work there. We have a little bit of uh, workforce development, I think, outreach with uh, Jalan Sandoz and Prav Reddy. And I think that's going to be critical as we think about the needs for the next five plus years from a workforce perspective. And they're doing terrific work there, all anchored really on insights and the work that Gary and his team in Workforce Insights is doing to make sure that we understand trends. And where Gary and team are evolving, and we hope to see over the next year, is more blending between what we're seeing externally to really understand what that means internally so that we're better informed about how we move ahead. 
That is amazing. When you had mentioned previously that you really work on relationships, what you have just mentioned is a case in point. You are mentioning teams and specifically what they're doing to address this issue from a multifaceted approach. And one of those people that is leading that charge is Greg Till. And he mentioned in the last summit that healthcare unemployment is at 2%. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the labor market is and what we are doing to address how tight things really are in the labor market? Yeah, absolutely. First, I just have to say, you know, we, we are really blessed to have Greg leading us. Uh, if ever there was a rock star in human resources, he'd be the one. So and he's right on. Actually, as we look at Bureau of Labor Statistics information for the month of May, hospital unemployment is about 2.2%. So when we think about unemployment overall, anytime we see unemployment at about 5% or lower, we really know that we're at full employment. And it tells us that we're really going to have a competition for talent, particularly experienced talent. So at 2.2%, we know that we are really in a tough spot and we're seeing it. We know that for our clinical areas, particularly nursing, we have more agency usage than we've had in quite some time. It's in part because of unemployment. It's also in part because of the pent-up demand for healthcare services. So it's going to be more challenging. We know that we see higher vacancy rates than we have in a while. I was looking at, you know, in May, we were up to 11% vacancy. That's considerably higher than we've been in a while. And then when we start to think about critical roles like nursing, it's actually at about 11.7%. We're feeling the effects there. We're also seeing from an applicant perspective that we have about 18 fewer applicants per job than we did in 2020. And in 2020, we were actually seeing about one fewer applicant per opening. So we've seen about a two-year trend, and that's probably going to be the case for a while. So we are in a spot over the next five years where we're going to have a real challenge if our focus is only on external hire, because we know that within the next five years, our baby boomer generation will almost entirely have retired. And that means that Gen Z will have to ramp up a little bit more quickly to fill the gap. And it's probably not until 2029 or 2030 that we start to feel a surplus if we focus exclusively on external hiring. So to solve this challenge, we have to be really multiple thinking in our approach. So the first thing we have to do as we looked at our first workforce demand forecast that said in the next five or six years, based on everything we know and grow, that we could see about a 21% increase in the workforce. The first thing we have to ask is, are we sure? And what things could we do to shrink that forecast? So things that we've always done, like engage, are really critical. Reducing our turnover is really critical. Growing our own caregivers is really critical. So when we think about our pillars over the past years of hire, grow, and retain, those remain really, really important. We, you know, we, have to, we have to hire well, and there may be new things we have to think about in hiring well. So when I talked about the equation of more, faster, sooner, better, we may have to spend more time investing in what does better from a selection perspective mean. Growing means we'll have to get more targeted in really understanding all of our jobs and where there might be skill adjacencies so that we can help our caregivers understand how close a match they are to the next job and then target the curriculum. So we already have a great platform with RISE on exploring career opportunities, but what if in the next few years we could get to a place where we said, we know your skills, we know how close you are to this next role, and here's the curriculum you really should take. So if we can get there, now we've really grown. 
And then we have to think about retaining, which is holistic around compensation and benefits and really even making investments in helping people into the next path. What if we paid for certifications? What if we removed the barriers and obstacles that prevented people from moving into the next role? So we'll have to do those things. And then we have to bring in new work around capacity. So when I talked about what Mandy Mason and team are doing around next gen and predictive scheduling, it's all about the optimal schedule, the optimal skill mix. We might find that we have a little bit more room with our current caregivers in scheduling to meet patient need. Redesign will be really critical as well because we have to understand what does it look like to be at top of practice and where can we automate not to reduce the workforce, but again, to rethink the demand need and frankly, to really engage well. And then with IRC, making sure that again, we hold those gains. So it's going to have to be holistic because I think this 2.2% unemployment is going to be our reality for a while. And I really do believe that as we get beyond September, as we start to see some of the uh, stimulus opportunities go away, that unemployment is going to dip overall below 5%. So we could be in a real challenge if we only focus on external fills through 2026. So now's the time to diversify and frankly, to think about capacity. I love the way that you are framing everything. You are talking about individualized, predictive ways to support our workforce. How can the rest of us support or promote the idea of internal movement or upskilling and reskilling ourselves? How can we be a part of that? I think it goes back to where we started when you asked me a little bit about my career path. You know, I think it's really first for all of us to support and promote it, we have to model it. And so we all have this opportunity to ask, where are we being called to next? And being, you know, ourselves being open to that opportunity. We are doing work now to begin to evaluate what we call skills adjacency, which would get us to skill pathing. But in the meantime, we have this really great platform in RISE where we can explore different opportunities. And I think for the rest of us to support or promote internal movement, we have to be open to the movement ourselves. And so how do we, how do we educate? How do we reach out to people that we know who might be doing the work that we're interested in to find out how do I get there and building ourselves so that particularly from a human resource perspective, if we can be a model for making those moves to the next role, to finding joy in the next role, then we set the right example. One quick example with the team that I didn't mention in the build out is, as we built out, we had to start to get mature. So we we did a lot of external recruitment for some of the key roles. But in the second wave of build out, we said, we'd like to be able to really promote from within. So we actually created a workforce specialist role where this team will help us with some program project management, but they'll also flow to work. So as Mandy has work, we'll flow the specialists there. As Gary has work in intelligence, we'll flow folks there. As we have needs, you know, in partnership with Darcy, we'll flow from a workforce development perspective. We think we could even flow into IRC, but after two years in the specialist role, we want to convert those folks first into workforce roles like the principal consultant. So We have to think about it first individually. What is it that I can do to be ready to answer the call? Secondly, answering the call when it's made. And then third, to really begin to think about our own career pathing so that our own HR caregivers understand that if I started as an HR business partner, I don't have to end as an HR business partner unless that's my choice. That is such an empowering message to all. And I really appreciate your time here. 
Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Johnny. And just last thing to everyone, I just want to say thank you to our HR community. We're doing awesome work every day, and I just really am so grateful to be part of this team and uh, looking forward to what we do together over the next five years and beyond. So thanks for the time today. Thank you, Mark, for your insights and stories about your team's leadership and workforce strategy at Providence. I hope our listeners have gained an appreciation for your team's work and learned something new. Join us next time for another insightful conversation on the Future Focus Fridays podcast.